inform and inspire. We love, we love, we love, we love, we love, we With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic drive time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Chat is Dr. Michael Pakaluk and or Pakaluk and this his your host, book is Adrian Mary's Quinteca. Voice According to the Gospel of John. And, uh, uh, good morning to you, sir. Thank you for being on our program. And I'm sure I butchered your name moment. pretty well there. Good morning, Joe. That's fine. Well, I, mean, I say Pakaluk. Doesn't really matter. Pakaluk. Thank you for correcting me. Pakaluk. I'm going to make sure I say it correct now. So Pakaluk. Uh, now you seem to be a man of great talent and many uh, and varied backgrounds here. You're a professor at the Bush School of Business at the Catholic University of America. You big into philosophy, ancient philosophy at that, so that's interesting. You translate books of the Bible, that's interesting, and I've heard you comment on economics too. And you make cocktails, and you're well known for it. So, wow, <laughs> you are uh, the Renaissance man if I've ever seen one. So, again, good morning to you. Thank you for being on. Thank you. Sorry about that. That was uh, very strange. Uh, today is Tuesday, February 21st, 2023, the Feast of St. Peter Damien. St. Peter Damien was a bishop, confessor, and doctor of the church who fought against the heresy of simony and promoted the use of discipline and penance. He was also the Cardinal Bishop of Astoria, Italy. St. Peter Damien's dissemination of the custom of receiving the dis- discipline was a great service to the church as it helped to spread the spirit of penance which is the understanding and adherence to the principles of penance. The principles of penance are that since man is conceived in original sin, he needs to combat his passions and make reparation for his sins even when no sin has been committed. Penance is useful to break bad inclinations and tendencies towards human pride. The spread of the use of the discipline in hair shirts and similar practices is valuable because it helps to form a state of mind that is suspicious of oneself and prepare to fight against bad inclinations. Today is Tuesday. It is Shrove Tuesday. So that means today is a day to get shriven, go to confession, get forgiven today, go and schedule a time throughout your day. If you had to take off for lunch or something like that, make it to a parish, go look up, see, find out what parishes are having confessions today and make sure you are able to make it. Also remember, tomorrow is Ash Wednesday. That means Lent starts tomorrow. What does that mean? That means today it's time to, uh, you know, eat those foods that you're not going to be able to eat tomorrow or the next day or the next day. You know, the traditional practice among the English is to have pancakes, among others, the Polish. I think it's like jelly donuts. They call it something, uh, some foreign name. But what's, what's your Shrove Tuesday tradition? Do you have one? I'm curious. I want to know. And what's the play here? Are you uh, heading to Mass today? Are you going to confession? I'm curious. Uh, also, during this Lenten season, starting tomorrow morning, we'll be having our, or not, yeah, tomorrow morning, we'll be having our Aquinas Catechism study series. So we're going to go through the Aquinas Catechism. I've been reading ahead, so I'm trying to get ahead of the game. So when we start, I'll be well aware of what we're reading. And it is Excellent. You're going to love it. So if you want to be on that Aquinas Catechism series, today is the last day to sign up. If you want to sign up, you have to sign up for our email list. You do so by going to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. When you do that, you will get entered into an opportunity to be there. Then email me. Sorry. It was Sunday or Friday whenever I was sending out the link. 
And so if you email, they sign up for the email list today, you won't get the link, but you need to email me and let me know, I, I signed up for the email list, I want to be in the Aquinas Catechism study session, then I will send you the link to be able to join us. That's how we're going to have to do it. And starting tomorrow, though, the Telegram chat where we're going to be doing our private Aquinas Catechism study session will be locked. So nobody else will be able to join. It'll just be you, me, and all the CDT insiders. If you uh, want to join that, today is the last day. We will not be accepting anyone else into the chat until Easter. So get in on that today. Just go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and sign up for our email list there. And then shoot me an email to let me know that's what your intentions are. At 15 past the hour, we're going to be discussing updates on the James O'Keefe story. You know, with Project Veritas, what happened there? Plus, more Ohio disasters. It's pretty intense. At 30 past the hour, Rick Barrett with the Armed Catholic will be on to discuss the seemingly rise in school shootings. That's very concerning. And the next hour, we'll be playing our Fear and Trembling game show. And maybe we'll talk a little bit more about Shrove Tuesday. But praise be to God. Uh, Tito, good morning to you. Good morning, Adrian. How, is, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I, mean, I went to bed at a decent hour. I got a decent amount of sleep. So I, that's, a, that's a positive. Oh, good. You, so you got more than two hours. I did get more than two hours. Praise be to God. I got approximately four hours, four or five hours. That's pretty good for me. That is, pre- that is pretty good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's begin in prayer. Let's uh, pray that people be able to make it to confession, that they're able to celebrate Shrove Tuesday in the way in which our Lord desires. And so let's offer up these prayers. Let's also pray for Ohio. So many things happening in Ohio. Those, the people are people there and everyone that's affected around Ohio Let's pray for all those. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Today is Tuesday, February 21st, 2023, and these are your headlines for today. John Lavenberg at Crux reports suspected a suspect arrested in the murder of the L.A. Auxiliary Bishop, 65-year-old Carlos Medina from Torrance, California, who had a work connection to Bishop David O'Connell, was arrested yesterday as a main suspect in the L.A. Auxiliary Bishop's murder, according to local authorities. Medina's wife was O'Connell's housekeeper, and he had also previously worked at O'Connell's resident, Luna said. The sheriff later clarified that while Medina may have worked for O'Connell, they're still trying to figure out what the relationship was. Vatican News reports that the Society of Jesus released a statement detailing new abuse accusations against Father Marco Rupnik, which covered a period of more than 30 years, and announces the proceedings are planned within the Jesuit order. The testimonies come from people who can truly be considered survivors, given the evil they, have, they say they have suffered, according to a statement published on Tuesday morning on the website. 
regarding new abuse accusations against Father Rupnik and entitled Towards a Recognition of the Truth. Luc Besmond de Senevi at La Croix reports that the bishop who investigated abuse complaints against Father Rupnik has disclosed that he does not know why the Vatican declined to pursue a canonical trial for the noted Jesuit. When asked why the dicastery did not lift a statute of limitations in the case as it has frequently done in other abuse cases, Bishop Daniel Libanori, an auxiliary of the Rome Diocese, told La Croix, I don't have any information to answer your question. Bishop Libanori said that he was fully persuaded that the multiple complaints against Father Rupnik were truthful. And finally, Bishop Thomas John Paprocki of Springfield, Illinois, wrote a piece at the Catholic World Report responding to Cardinal McElroy. Bishop Paprocki wrote, quote, Much ink has been spilled about Cardinal McElroy's piece in America on synodality and inclusion. Less attention has been paid to Cardinal McElroy's follow-up interview also in America which his views on sexual immorality were more explicit and unfortunately more concerning. It is important to recognize and identify what Cardinal McElroy is attempting to do here. He is seeking to revive the discredited theological notion of the fundamental option that became popular in the 60s. Bishop Paprocki explained, I'm Tito Edwards and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. The Gospel of the Day is from Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 37. He spent the time teaching his disciples. The Son of Man, he said, is to be given up into the hands of men. They will put him to death, and he will rise again on the third day. But they could not understand his meaning, and were afraid to ask him. So they came to Capernaum, and there, when they were in the house, he asked them, What was the dispute you were holding on the way? They said nothing, for they had been disputing among themselves which should be the greatest of them. Then he sat down and called the twelve to him and said, If anyone has a mind to be the greatest, he must be the least of all and the servant of all. And he took a little child and gave it a place in the midst of them. And he took in his arms and said to them, Whoever welcomes such a child as this in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me, welcomes not me, but him that sent me. And John answered him, Master, we saw a man who does not follow in our company, casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him to do it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Cornelius Lapide, commenting on this passage, says, John answered him, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, who followeth not us, and we forbade him. It is as though he said, Have we done well or ill? John asked this question not out of envy, as Calvin would have it, but out of love and zeal for the honor of Christ. And it was an occasion by why, what he said in the preceding verse. Whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. As though he said, If he who receives a little one in, the, in thy name receiveth thy father and thyself, what must we think concerning him who works miracles in thy name, and yet followeth not us, that is, is not thy attendant and disciple as we are? Because, as St. Cyril says, the Savior had given the power to his apostles to cast out unclean spirits. They thought that it had been conceded to none others save themselves to enjoy such dignity. 
So says the Alpha Cat and Victor. Here observe that those who thus cast out devils in the name of Christ and yet did not follow him were believers, but imperfect ones. For as much as they shrank from the rugged poverty and renunciation of their goods, such as was a lot of the apostles, they shrank from the following Christ and his evangelical labors and his persecutions. Still, they have some faith in Christ by virtue of which they cast out devils. So says St. Ambrose. And in so doing, Christ wrought and, co- and cooperated with them, that his power and glory might be the more made manifest, which wrought such great things by means of those who are so imperfect and, as it were, aliens. Observe in the next place that the apostles did not forbid such people through hatred, but out of zeal of Christ, as though they were detracting from the glory of Christ and his ordinances, according to chapter 3, verse 15, where Christ gives his apostles only the power of casting out devils. But the zeal for theirs was indiscreet, especially because they had rashly, without consulting Christ, forbidden them. And Christ showed them that this was, so far, a double reason. This first is what he brings forward in the next verse in a similar manner. When Joshua saw Eldad and Medad prophesying, he wished to forbid them, as it were detracting from the glory of Moses, and that they had not received the spirit of prophecy from Moses. But Moses checked him by saying, Envious thou for my sake? Would that all the people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. This is the spirit of Christ, the spirit of love and of the Holy Ghost, which makes large the heart and envieth none, but rejoices in all good things, by whomever and what way soever that they are wrought. This makes me think of the many times that we hear cases of uh, other Protestant denominations and other Christian denominations uh, performing things that appear to be miracles. Are they true followers of Christ? Well, just like the apostles are saying here, you know, some of these people, they believed in Christ, they believed in Christ, but they were not his disciples. They were not people who followed and lived after the calling of Christ. Yet, they had a belief, and that belief Christ saw as sufficient to at least grant them the grace to be able to perform certain miracles. So, is it possible that non-Catholic religions... Uh, namely other Christian religions, are able to have some miracles? Well, Cornelius Lapide seems to be implying that, yes, it's possible that God would allow there to be healings and other like things in Protestant denominations if they are believers, even though they are not followers of Christ, because they are refused to be according to his apostles. They refuse to be according to his, to his families. So that's a very important thing to keep in mind. Let us be a part of the church and let us be faithful to Christ in his church. That's very important for us in our times. We should be going to a break right now. Uh, the and I don't know what's going on there. But if we don't go to a break, then uh, we will go on to our What's Concerning Us section. And we will just do that. We'll just go straight into our What's Concerning Us section. Okay. The, so the story that we have over here is the uh, going on to our next stories is the situation in Ohio. The situation in Ohio is incredibly concerning. There is so many things that are going on. And I think this is something that we have to figure out. Like, how, why is there so many things happening 
in Ohio. We have John the Baptist and we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, on to praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. All right. Well, that was uh, interesting. Sorry about that. We're talking about the situation in Ohio, the several situations in Ohio, many things going on. We need to really be praying for the people in Ohio because they just get, they're just getting bombarded thing after thing. And, you know, we've been, I've been seeing conspiracy theories, people saying that this is a attack on Ohio, that maybe we're being, we're having people infiltrating and they're trying to cause problems. Um, this is very concerning. It also looks like we just uh, went off on YouTube as well. Uh, but the story in Ohio is very, very concerning because there was, you know, of course, the train derailment, right? That caused this massive plume that destroyed the, all the area. The whole area was utterly destroyed with chemicals spilled everywhere. Cincinnati in northern Kentucky, they shut down their water intakes. And this was reported this two days ago. So now they're finally realizing maybe we shouldn't allow people to drink the water. And some of the people were claiming, well, the government says that the drinking the water is fine. Yet they when asked saying, hey, OK, would you drink the water? Why don't you just pick up the water right now and drink it? The people refused. They would have, did not drink it. I thought that was very interesting. And people who claim that the water is fine will not drink the same water. I think that's very interesting. And we've seen people, when they disturb the water, the chemicals start bubbling up, the water starts changing color. That's very interesting. But we've all heard this story already. You and I have already familiar with this. It's just more information about how bad it is. It's getting worse and worse. What you may not have heard was that the Ohio metal manufacturing plant just exploded, sending multiple people to the hospital. That's very interesting, right? It says several people were sent to a hospital for burns uh, Monday after a metal factory in the Cleveland area of Ohio went up in flames, creating a large plume of smoke from the building. Local media reported witnesses heard a big boom shortly after 2 p.m. at the Schumann & Co. metal and paint plant in Oakwood Village, which produces copper alloys in Bedford, Ohio. Several ambulances and authorities raced to the scene to rescue victims and contain the fire. A local Fox affiliate confirmed authorities transported multiple people to Metro Health Medical Center Hospital. News helicopters flying over the scene witnessed fire and large plume of smoke coming from the building, which firefighters reportedly have under control. Several videos posted on social media from shows debris surrounding the scene and fire damage in vehicles nearby. That's very concerning. Why does this keep happening? Why is this a major thing? Could it be completely coincidental? A Ohio metal manufacturing plant explodes 
and sends a number of people to the hospital. From my understanding, when it says there's been a large amount of casualties, uh, they don't mean deaths. They mean people that have been affected. So there's many people that were sent to the hospital. If my understanding is that nobody has died as of now, and they said mass casualty incident, but uh, I was looking at some of the responses, and many people were saying that nobody has died. They're just many people that have been injured, some severely injured. Uh, but prayers for all these people, it's very, very concerning. Why does this keep happening in Ohio? I don't understand. It's very weird that we keep seeing these things. Could it be all coincidental? I guess it could be. I am very skeptical of it being coincidental. How is this so many things in Ohio all coincidences? Uh, the other story that I thought was uh, worthy of mention is James O'Keefe says he was stripped of power at Project Veritas. He just posted a full video. It's about 44 minutes long where he explains the situation to his staff. It was initially linked, uh, leaked to the public, and so it was then uh, kind of picked up, and Tim Pool posted it to YouTube, so you want to watch it yourself. It's a 44-minute long video where he explains what happened. And it sounds to me that James O'Keefe thinks that this has something to do with Pfizer. It seems that's, that's what he's thinking because he mentions multiple times in the video, hmm, isn't it weird that nobody says anything about this and then we release the largest hit piece we've ever put out against Pfizer and then all of a sudden, all these things start coming after me. And then he said that a couple people that were in on the accusations came out and said they never said that, that they're lying. I thought that was also interesting. The other thing is that Project Veritas released a statement saying that James O'Keefe was on vacation and that everything was fine. And yet James O'Keefe says at the time that Project Veritas officially stated that, he was on leave. He was on a non-disclosure. He's not allowed to say anything. And he was already released from the organization. How does that work? That's very, very concerning. Uh, the good news is that Project Veritas, James O'Keefe, See, I, I use the names synonymously. What I mean is James O'Keefe, not Project Veritas. James O'Keefe came out, and he said that he, it looks like he is getting ready to create something new, that he's going to build something else from scratch. He's not going to stop, stop fighting, and I think that's very good. He also kind of uh, gave a hint and a nudge-nudge to his staff members and were saying, hey, you guys are journalists. Find out what's going on at Project Veritas. He, he must be have some kind of non-disclosure agreement or something that's binding him to not say some things that he may or may not know. I don't know. But he kind of winked and nudged at his uh, employees, at his former employees, and said, you guys are great people. He said, "Some many of you have told me personally that you would go and work at Walmart at a night shift so that way you could work here for free if that was necessary. And so you, there are a lot of people in Project Veritas that still support uh, James O'Keefe. I think that's very important. Uh, one other story that I thought was of interest was something that I just saw right now uh, that Edward Penton put out, and this is very concerning. Uh, thank you to Edward Penton for translating it. This was put out uh, by the Vatican. So this is an official document from the Vatican by, uh, by Cardinal Roche. It was put out about 5 a.m. today, so about an hour ago. 
about 5 a.m. Central Time, Italian time, they're in the middle of the day, so it's not that weird because you might think, why is the Vatican putting things out at 5 a.m.? Um, no, they put it out, I think it's like 1 o'clock over there or something like that. But this is the document that, thanks to Edward Pinton, we have in English. The Holy Father, in the audience granted on February 20th to the undersigned Cardinal Prefect of the Dicastery for Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacraments, confirmed the following about the implementation of his motu proprio, Traditionis Custodius, of July 16th, 2021. These are the dispensations specially reserved to the Apostolic See. The use of parish churches or the erection of per personal parish for the celebration of the Eucharist using the Missoale Romanum of 1962, so the traditional Latin Mass. The granting of license to the presbyters ordained after the publication of the motu proprio, Traditionis Custodis, to celebrate using the 1962 Missal Romanum, meaning the ability for any priest that are ordained after 2021 to do the traditional Mass. Should a diocesan bishop have granted dispensation in the two cases mentioned above, he is obliged to inform the dicastery for divine worship and the discipline of the sacraments, which will evaluate the individual cases. In addition, the Holy Father confirms, having already expressed his assent in the audience of November 18th, 2021, what was established in the Responsia ad dubia with the attached explanatory notes December 4, 2021. As established by Article 7 of the Motu Proprio Traditionis Custodis, the Dicastery for Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacraments exercises in the above-mentioned cases the authority of the Holy See supervising the observance of the provisions. The Holy Father also ordered that this rescript be published in La Observatory Romano and subsequently in the official commentary in the Acta Apostolo Apostolicae Sedes from the Vatican, February 20th, 2023. This is very concerning. The AAS, the Acta Apostolicae Sedes, is the official documentation of the Acts of the Roman Pontiff. So that means this is not a rumor. This is not something that is just made up. This is an official Vatican document. This is very concerning because the many bishops were invoking, I forget, maybe it's Canon 21, I forget what it is, where they say, for the good of souls, we see we are dispensing of canon law and allowing the traditional mass to continue in our dioceses. Whereas the Holy Father, by this letter published by Cardinal Roche, he's saying here, you do not have permission to try to release people of these restrictions. You do not have those permissions. If you did that, then you need to report to us and let us know that you did that. And then we will evaluate the individual cases, which to me, if you get that kind of letter from your boss, what does that say to you? That kind of sounds like you're in trouble, right? And Father Peter Totalbin, he made the comment, he said, I get that the Holy See gets to govern the church, but it would be helpful if they could at least pretend to have a consistent rationale. If the Holy See is the moderator of the liturgical life of a diocese, then say that. If it is a diocesan bishop, then say that. I agree. Why? Because this idea here in Traditionis Custodis explicitly said that they were giving the power back to the bishops. Yet, they're going to come here and they're going to personally restrict the Latin Mass are going to personally come after the bishops for doing exactly what Traditionis Custodis said? How can the Holy See, out of one side of their mouth, say, 
okay, well, the bishops are going to be able to be the boss in their diocese, and they're going to be able to make run their decisions. Also, we're going to micromanage everything that's going on, even to the point of, if you all remember, the response to Madubium, the response to the questions that were submitted, allegedly, they said that they can't even advertise Latin Mass in their bulletin. How can the Vatican micromanage on that level of restricting what can be put in bulletins and yet claim that they are saying they're going to give the power back to the bishops to be the sole arbiters of their the liturgical life in their diocese. That's a very concerning situation in my book. I think we need to be focusing on this. So to, to recap, there is a lot of things going on that are very concerning. One with James O'Keefe with Project Veritas. Project Veritas is being removed as CEO and board. The good news is, James O'Keefe, it seems that he's going to be bouncing back really quickly and be creating a new organization, probably not under the name Project Veritas. Uh, the second thing is that the waterways in Ohio are very, very bad, and it affects millions of people, not just in Ohio, but in the surrounding states as well. An explosion went off in Ohio. Um, that's very concerning. And the last thing is uh, the these idea of all of these things happening at the same time. So many things. That's very concerning to me. So what's the answer here? Let's pray. Because this is obviously the devil is working in our lives. The world, the flesh, and the devil desires to keep us down, to get us our hearts dis, uh, dismayed. And so let's not allow that to happen. Instead, let's keep our eyes on the wounds of Christ. I was listening to someone talk about the shot of Turin and the wounds of our Lord, and it was just heart-wrenching to think our Lord loved us so much that he died for us, that he was crucified, had excruciating pain. This Lent, let's offer up our sufferings, unite them to the cross of Christ, where we can be like him and suffer for all the people that are suffering whether it be all the people in Ohio or elsewhere. We'll be right back with more. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 AD, 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed to the church down the street. Hey Sita, how do you ask, do you love Catholic radio in German? Liebst du das katholische Radio? How about support it by purchasing car raffle tickets for a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250? Unterstütze es mit dem Kauf eines Tickets, mit dem du einen 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250 gewinnen kannst. Hmm, okay. How about get yours at grnonline.com forward slash raffle? Kauf eins auf grnonline.com forward slash raffle. Thank you. I needed that for a PSA. Cool. When are you recording it? Right now. Oh, danke. Welcome back 
to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Tuesday, February 21st, and these are your headlines for today. Peter Pinedo at Catholic News Agency reports last Friday the Utah House of Representatives passed some of the strongest pro-life legislation advanced since the reversal of Roe v. Wade. If passed by the state Senate and signed into law, the measures effectively would shut down abortion clinics that only offer abortion and would also help victims of rape and incest. Planned Parenthood Action Council of Utah posted on Twitter that the bill would shutter all abortion clinics in Utah. Zenit reports that Fatima pilgrims have returned. There were 5 million visits. Spain, Poland, and Italy are the countries from which most pilgrims arrive, followed by Ukraine, Brazil, and the United States. Vatican News reports on Tuesday, 21st of February, the church will celebrate the Feast of the Chair of St. Peter. The celebration, which is traditionally observed on the 22nd, has been brought forward by one day as this year it coincides with Ash Wednesday. On the occasion of the Feast of Chair of St. Peter, pilgrims visiting St. Peter's Basilica will be able to admire the statue of the Apostle and the suggestive luminaria symbolizing the magisterium of the Supreme Pontiff. And finally, the Vatican Press Office reports Pope Francis encourages tenderness and work with the poor. Meeting on February 20 with members of the Circle of St. Peter, a group dedicated to charitable works with the poor in Rome, Pope Francis encouraged them to show tenderness towards those they helped as opposed to sentimentalism. He contrasted their approach with the culture of indifference and the throwaway culture around them. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. We'll be joined by Rick Barrett in just one moment, but before I forget, tomorrow, I believe, the CDT team will not be on the air in Houston. I believe we're having some maintenance on our Houston towers. So if you're in the Houston area, make sure you uh, follow us on our social media feeds because we will still be broadcasting. The show will go on and all the other markets but we won't be uh, on air in the Houston area. I believe it is when just Wednesday. Uh, it could be longer than that. I forget the, the details uh, of that at the moment. But if you want to make sure that you receive our show, make sure you're following us on our social media feeds, on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, Facebook. And you can watch the show live there or download the GRN mobile app. On the Guadalupe Radio Network app, you will be able to listen to the show despite the fact that we might be off uh, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I believe it's just tomorrow, but I could be wrong about that. I got to double check. Um, so if you're in the Houston market, make sure that you are following us on social media or you have the Guadalupe Radio Network app so that way you can stay uh, tuned in to the Catholic Drive Time Show and all the Guadalupe Radio Network programs. But let's see. Joining us right now via telephone is Rick Barrett with the Armed Catholic. Uh, good morning to you, Rick. Good morning, gentlemen. It is absolutely an honor, uh, and thank you for calling, having me back on this morning. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, Rick, there's so many stories that came out this recently about different uh, shootings going on, and I was kind of blown away because I was thinking, you know, there was the the Minnesota situation, and then there was the El Paso situation. And when I went to go find the story, instead I found a picture or a video, rather, of an El Dorado high school student shooting at homes 
on the east side of El Paso, just outside his window, just because. And he posted a video of it, and a video that people sent over to the police and to his school. But I was like, what, what is going on? <laughs> what on earth? Uh, so that happened. And then in Chicago, the people were killed in the highway. There was just a shooting. Um, there's gang violence. There's I, Whenever I looked up, try to find these, these stories of the Minnesota shooter and the Texas mall shooter, I was blown away by how many different situations. It feels like there's just tons of these things happening. And I don't know if it's just my just looking at the news or is it actually increasing? I, do you follow? Have you been following these stories? Rick Barrett, what, do you, what say you? Uh, I, I have. Um, I have a, a daily uh, podcast now called the uh, Gun Morning Podcast, and uh, we um, we cover all of them. And I covered the Michigan State shooting when it when it took place. Uh, I did the El Paso shooting in real time uh, when it took place. And and what you have to look at is there is a concerted effort by the legacy media to gaslight you into thinking that we are essentially Venezuela or Juarez or a place where um, shootings are taking place at an astronomical level uh, because they have a they have a a desire to disarm us um, because that is if you listen to Joe Joe is talking about getting rid of getting rid of assault rifles it's on the Democratic Party platform for years now if he and i'm not trying to i never never wanted to come off as if i am uh ever saying that the loss of life that is not natural is never a terrible awful and 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 just absolutely excruciatingly bad experience we shouldn't as catholics we don't want that uh, but at the same time you're in a population north of 330 million on one of the largest land masses in in on the in the world um, and when you pick and choose out of 330 plus million people, in isolate incidences, one in Michigan, one in El Paso, uh, California, it, all over the place, and try to make it seem more um, frequent than it is. And we'll get into this when we talk about the actual mass shooting data. Uh, it is it is a, a it is the tip of a larger campaign to get people to voluntarily disarm themselves because things are just so bad. They want you to just think that. Yeah, I always found that very interesting because if just because there are shootings doesn't mean that it would help by me giving up my gun because my gun didn't kill anybody and it won't kill anybody unless it needs to in a life or death situation. Uh, but let's start with the, the story of the Texas mall shooting. I thought that was very interesting because we saw the situation happen and it was stopped by a good guy with a gun, which we're told that never happens. Uh, what was the story there? Do we know if the how, where the gun was received? Was it illegal? Was the gun received legally? Uh, what happened in that story? Well, when it first came out, there's a, another gentleman I, I follow uh, out in Louisiana. He, he put it out immediately. He said, this is gangs. This is a gangland incident because the shooter was 16 years old. Um, so there are many red flags off the top. A, in these United States, a person is not allowed to legally have a handgun until they're 21. So 16, 21, that's one law that's being broken. Uh, secondly, um, he is not allowed to carry or possess that firearm without a permit inside the mall. I'm sure 
from what people were telling me, so that's two. Uh, so we had multiple things. And, and by the way, number three, as we all know, murder is illegal. Uh, so <laughs> right, of course. Minimum three laws being broken. What I see, Adrian, is, uh, is an epidemic of laws not being enforced. Uh, we have laws on the books, laws against murder, laws against illegal possession under the age of 21, laws against this, that, and the other thing. And you know what they're not done? They're not enforced in any way, shape, or form. Um, but the solution always is, well, we just need more laws. We need mm-hmm. to sandwich more laws on top of the laws that we already do not enforce. Um, and, and so the El Paso shooting was a gangland incident because it was four guys getting into it on, in the mall on a Tuesday night. Uh, and, and the mass shooting profile is not teams of guys uh, going anywhere outside of, obviously, your Columbine, which is maybe an exception to the rule. Uh, but you have that. So the, so the El Paso shooting is being lumped into mass shootings by this thing called the Gun Violence Archive, which is an offshoot of Slate. Uh, and they use this very interesting definition. And, and, and I just want to get this out there for you guys because this will inform the conversation going forward. Um, Gun Violence Archive, which is an offshoot of Slate, uses this definition where it's four or more people shot regardless of context or location. Now, when you say it like that, Adrian, that's a, you, can, you can pretty much make that for anything. Now, Congress, Mother Jones and other places use a methodology where um, it's three or more people killed in an act of indiscriminate violence in a public setting which is the Michigan State shooting. Unfortunately, those are three people, three innocent lives lost there. That is a true mass shooting. Uh, but they'll use the El Paso one, and they'll use something else, this, that, and the other thing, to, to boost up, to goose up those, mm-hmm. oh, there's been 6,500 mass shootings. Well, that's because you guys are taking four more people shot, not even killed, just shot, in any context, in any setting. So that's why you're seeing the supposed uptick in these numbers because they're using just this wide data set, this one, these wide qualifications to, to fit this, uh, which is why they would put the El Paso incident with the Michigan State incident, with the Half Moon, May, Half Moon Bay incident, with all these other things, which when you look at them, they're all a, a, they're, they all have one thing in common. That's what I said before. They all came from the fact that laws were in place and laws were violated before you got to the the actual incidences. So we're so going to go to a break in just a moment. And the other side of the break, I want to ask you, Rick, about the situation in uh, Michigan State University, the details of that one. Because the, the, the first question I always have, and you kind of touched on this point, the first question I always have whenever this conversation comes up is, what law could we have in, put in place that would have stopped this, this shooting? And if there's none that we can think of and we're just reacting and saying things, well, then we need to sit down, slow down, take a deep breath and have a logical discussion. So on the other side of the break, I want to get the details of that particular case. And then I want to have a broader conversation about these shootings. But we'll cover all those things coming up next on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. How much havoc would be caused at your church if your pastor brought a big statue of St. Peter or St. Paul and placed them in the sanctuary? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history's on the side of the Catholic Church. Christian art in many forms dates way back to about 120 A.D., and so do those various Christian symbols which we still see today. You know, a dove, a fish, a lamb. Why are those okay? Secondly, the Bible, Exodus, Numbers, and Ezekiel. All these books show God telling Moses, David, or Ezekiel to carve out images of angels that were used in worship. And and thirdly, a tough comeback, especially for my guy friends. Does Cooperstown, Canton, or Cleveland mean anything to you? Yep, the Hall of Fame locations filled with statues, jerseys, bats, and balls. Memorabilia is a $37 billion industry, but you say, don't bring a statue into my church. Well, how many of you guys have admired one of those bronze statues of an athlete? I'd rather stare at St. Peter's, Paul, and Mary in my church, and I'm not talking about the old folk band. I bet you're wondering to yourself, how can I win a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C? Easy. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Only $25 a ticket or five tickets for $100. The drawing is February 24th, 2023. So, do you feel lucky? Well, do ya? Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and thank you for joining us today. It's a beautiful Tuesday morning. I hope that your day is going well. Hope you're heading to the office. Hope you've said your morning prayers. You're getting ready for Ash Wednesday tomorrow. Have you made it to confession? Have you decided what your penances are going to be this year? Let me recommend fasting. That's my recommendation to you. Uh, But joining us right now is Rick Barrett with The Armed Catholic. We're discussing the epidemic of shootings, or at least the seeming epidemic of shootings. And before the break, I was mentioning that I wanted to talk about the Michigan State University shooting and what we know about it. Because my question is, every time these stories pop up, there's always uh, basically two different things that happen. One, a call for everybody to give up their guns, and I'm always skeptical of that because I'm saying my gun didn't kill anybody. If I have a gun and I'm a good guy, then my gun was not going to hurt anyone. In fact, it can save people. And then the second point being, what gun law would have prevented this? Because most of the time, as we saw with the, the first case, the Texas mall shooting, that they're breaking the law already. They got the gun illegally. They were too young to own a gun. They they were breaking multiple laws already. And so my always my first question is, okay, what law could we have put in place that would have prevented the crime? And then we can discuss whether or not that law is, in fact, a good idea. Uh, but thank you for joining us again, Rick Barrett. Uh, what say you about the Michigan State University shooting? Once again, always happy to jump on with you guys. Pleasure to be here. The, the Michigan State shooting is a, a tragedy of the epidemic of unforced, unenforced laws. Now, if you were to look at a website like Every Town for Gun Safety, which is Minnie Michael Bloomberg's favorite little organization, uh, Michigan's ranked number 24 in the country for gun law strength, according to them, which may be, which may not be great, but it is in the top half of these, these, this union. I mean, they got all kinds of stuff. They have no carry after violent offense, no gun mandate on college campuses, felony prohibitor. If you go to their website, they have a checklist of all kinds of things. Now, of course, it's not as strong as somebody like Shannon Watts 
wants it to be. And unfortunately, we'll we'll touch on this in a bit. You good people in Michigan, you're gonna get it. You're gonna you're gonna get it uh, after this, unfortunately. Uh, but the Michigan State shooter, uh, and I'll just get this out there right now: the man should not have owned a firearm, and it's because of Democratic policies. And this is not a political. This is the person who did this was a Democrat politician, because the the Detroit News reported that the shooter uh, was was supposed to have a felony charge for carrying a concealed firearm on his person without having a concealed carry permit. Why is this a big deal? Because if he had been a a felon, I believe it's a five to seven year charge, and he would have been in jail. And the prosecutor in his county busted that down from a felony to to probation for 18 months. Why is that a big deal? Because once he cleared that probation, he was able to buy a firearm again. So once again, and of course, why was it busted down from a felony to a, to, to a misdemeanor? Because of criminal justice reform and all these, you know, the, the, the justice system is racist and, and all the talking points you guys have heard. So the fact that, and there was a, a state police for Michigan, a Michigan state police officer said, listen, if you had charged this man with the crime he originally had, he would have been in jail for five to seven years minimum. Guess what? That was in 2019. He would not have been out. And so that's one. Two, Michigan has this weird thing, and I just figured this out uh, when I was covering the story. Y'all up there have this thing where you have, if you buy a pistol, you have to fill out this card and mail it in. It's the most ridiculous system I've ever heard of in my life. You have 10 days to fill out this pistol registration card. So it's you have the honor system to register it. So when you hear people say, oh, well, it wasn't registered. Yeah, that's because you guys literally gave him like a post-it note and told him to try and mail it in. And once again, epidemic of criminals not following the law. So those are two things. One, it's weird how criminals don't follow the law, huh? It, 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 it's amazing, isn't it, in that regard, that they, they don't want to do that. So he was given a free pass from a Democratic, a progressive prosecutor, which put a dangerous criminal back out on the street. He was allowed to get that firearm through the National Instant Criminal Background Check System because the felony he was charged with was wiped clean. And so and then finally, uh, he went on a gun free campus. He went on to a place where, once again, you're not supposed to have a firearm. Firearms are not allowed there. And people want to say, well, you don't need one because the campus police will secure the area. This is not a knock against campus police in any way, shape, or form. That's a 50,000-square-acre campus, Michigan State is. And you're expecting the campus police to be able to secure every single area? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's why these, these kids were left uh, completely defenseless. And you had somebody who was not affiliated with the university who was apparently having um, some mental health issues, which I don't, we do not have time to get into the, the absolute crisis in this country that we have as far as mental health and how nobody wants to talk about it. But this man went out, no affiliation, injured these people, and uh, didn't have the ability to, to – and these people didn't have the ability to stop him. Once again, how many laws did he break in, in the span of, of getting to, to actually murdering people? Hey, Rick, this is uh, Tito Edwards, co-host with Adrian. I'm curious to know what, what you think. I, I know the media is selective in what they report, and, and they fudge the facts or they fudge the technicality of what is a mass shooting and what is not. Do you think it, the reporting within the last few years has been dramatic, has dramatically increased in sh- showcasing all these shootings? I mean, because there is, there's 
what, a dozen people da- died last night in Chicago, but that never gets reported, and that happens every single evening. What, what do you think mm. of, of uh, how, of, is it really bad than, than it was 10 years ago of how the media reports this? Well, good morning to you, my friend. And, uh, yeah, it is, because as we talked about before the break, um, the, the promotion of certain statistics uh, via the Gun Violence Archive and how they have they redefined what a mass shooting was in order to push this. Now, you could argue that, and you could argue that violent crime has increased, especially after a certain year uh, where there were certain things that were taking place, but um, the, the we also have to look at the the violence that is occurring, and the um, the the focus on this violence is to a gin up enough support. And there was a there was a Pew Research poll that came out I think a week or two ago where sixty three percent of people were unsatisfied with gun gun laws and they want to gun. They're starting to push this idea that you know guns are an issue and when it's really a just a uh, an offshoot of the decay that we're seeing in society as far as uh, respect for laws respect for life the general I, you for lack of a better term social contract that is absolutely uh, decaying right in front of us um for whatever reason i'm sure you guys have talked about it at length uh, but we all can agree that the the more we turn away from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and and the true teachings of the church, and you know, not to be controversial, the, the fact that the church has abandoned her roles in one way or another and not stepped into the breach when it needs to, um, that we're seeing uh, this this absolute supposedly supposedly wild west taking place in front of us. Hi, Rick. It- I have one more question to follow up on that. And what do you believe is is the acute the variable that has seen this acute uh, the 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 shootings all over the place that are occurring? I, I know that uh, we're debating on whether or not there is a rise, but what variable is it? The lack of fathers in the family is it? You mentioned the decay of society and of culture. What is it in your mind, uh, in, in your expertise, that you believe is a, is a single factor that has really uh, made people pushed into criminal activity, disobeying laws, uh, uh, treat their neighbor less than human, the, the rise of video games, so on and so forth? What, do you, what is your insight on that? To be honest, if I had to pinpoint, because as you, you mentioned, a lot of factors there, but if you were to say, and as you just did ask me, <laughs> what's the one? It is the fact that we in these United States have no respect for life, and it starts in the womb. Uh, these people in Michigan who are crying and railing and gnashing of teeth and pounding tables saying, you don't care about children, Governor Whitmer, or which, whatever her name is, is one of the most pro-abort fanatics. She is she is a an absolute murderer when it comes to the the promotion of destruction in the womb, and the fact that we do not respect and we do not prioritize innocent life, we do not respect life, we do not love life, we do not cherish and protect it. Does any of this other stuff matter? Good point. Does any of it matter? And so for me, uh, it, it that is the foundational issue. If you do not love life, if you do not respect life, all of this other stuff is just going to come from it. You know, Rick, you know, I was thinking while you were talking about um, this idea of protecting life. 
And, you know, as Catholics, we, we desire to, to be defenders, right? We, there's a, the, the, the trope of the, the, the Catholic man fantasizing about being a crusader. And in a way, that's true. Uh, as a Catholic men, we desire, we, we fantasize about being a hero, about saving the day. And part of that is being able to protect your family, your friends, and your neighbor. That's part of love of neighbor. So is it really loving for a Catholic to not carry a gun, to not want to, to, to ban guns? Because I would see it as the opposite. What say you? Uh, there's nothing in the catechism. There's nothing you have actually, um, it's not guns, but it is the, the idea and concept of self-defense and every Catholic, because you, myself, the gentleman, the two gentlemen that I'm talking to on the radio, everybody listening in the audience, we have a right by God from birth to natural death. That is the only, that is the only way whenever God takes us natural death, that, that whole thing. Nobody on this planet has the right to take your life, your friend's life, your children's life, none of it. It is your duty as a Catholic male to do what you can to protect life. We, yeah, we talk about protecting life in the womb, 100%. But what about your children? You, you have a right, and your wife, uh, or if you're a mom, you're your children, and if, if need be your husband or neighbor. Um, the, the fact that we, we don't, we get very icky around the idea of self-defense because we've been pushed into such, excuse me, into such a corner by the left and by progressives that we, we don't look at our ancestors. Listen, you know, Catholics have, when the time is appropriate, let me say that again, when the time is appropriate, stepped up in the defense of others. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Rick, for being on with us. Uh, where can people connect with you? Uh, you can find me at thearmcatholic.com. I got a daily show every morning on YouTube. Search the Daily Mag Dump. Let's say that again. The Daily, sorry? Mag Dump. The Daily Mag Dump on I'll YouTube. Send, I'll, I'll send it to you in uh, 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 via email. All right. Sounds good. Know. And I will post it in the description. So find us on social media and I will be posting a link there. But that'll do it for the first hour. Join us in the next hour for our game show, Fear and Trembling. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross Studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the epistles, nor the apostolic and early church fathers ever wrote anything 
anything like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching at the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. Marty, the TRN is raffling off a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. Whoa, Doc, that's heavy. What, are we going to have to like go back in time to get tickets? Not at all, Marty. Just call 888-784-3476 or go to grnonline.com. We better hurry, Marty. The drawing takes place February 24th, the year 2023. We really need one of those smartphones, Doc. In your car, at the office, or in your home, we're always here. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Megan. You're listening to AM 1430. KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. The day that we prepare for Ash Wednesday. So make sure you head over to confession. Get shriven, as one might say. I think most people know it as Fat Tuesday. Though I don't like that name because that implies that we're promoting the sin of gluttony. And we don't want to do that. All right, Rudy? Is it because I'm fat? It is because you're fat. P-H-A-T? No. no. Mm. Yeah. Uh, does anybody say that anymore? Uh, P-H-A-T? Sure hey, that's so fat. Says it. <laughs> hey, fat. <laughs> that was fat, man. That's, uh, what is, uh, that's uh, Joe Biden, right? He goes, yeah, I think he, he, would he called say, someone Joe that. Biden would be the guy to say something like he, that. He did. There's a video. He goes, uh, hey, hey fats. fats. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, wait, is he, like, insulting the guy, or is that, like, a compliment? Yeah, I don't know. I can't tell, because... That's way before my time. <laughs> That's before your time, too. Yeah, I've never said that before. Yeah. Unironically. So, there you go. Fat Tuesday, meaning, like, cool Tuesday, I guess. That's the way it should be. Neat. I'm thinking, because I'm going to be uh, fasting starting tomorrow, I think I'm going to get a Domino's pizza for lunch today. I think we should get mm. donuts. Oh, yeah. Jelly-filled donuts. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Tito, are you down? Polish? Um, Polish get, jelly-filled get some, donuts? Get some jelly-filled donuts. I'm in. All right. Put in I some bet we are, uh, Tito had just committed to buying us donuts. Uh, y- <laughs> y'all heard it. Y'all heard it. He's committed. Uh, hold him to it. I will let you guys know tomorrow if, whether or not he fulfilled his obligation in buying us donuts. Uh, but what did y'all think about the, all the different stories going on today with the Ohio? I feel so bad for Ohio. Please keep Ohio in your yeah. prayers. Wow. What is going on? You know, Adrian, it's been crazy because uh, I haven't really been keeping up with the news as I transition. That's a transition to another role here at the GRN. That's transitioning. Uh, okay. Uh, Rudy transi- is transitioning. Oops, did I just come out of the... Anyway, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> we'll, just we'll talk that. about that a little bit later. But, um, yeah, I, I haven't been keeping up with the news. I saw this gigantic plume of black chemical smoke coming out from Ohio. And, wow, that's just so crazy. 
And there's the uh, the people there who are, uh, you know, they're they're in hotels. They're changing their entire life just to get away from this uh, toxic disaster. Yeah, it's it, they're using up their life savings to stay at the hotels. They they just opened the health clinic in the town. And I, I know the reports are saying there are no uh, casualties, but I thought I saw this morning that w- there was one person that did pass away in the explosion. But I, I could be wrong about that. Not really certain. And, and to compound the problem, the, the Biden administra- the administration is just ignoring what's going on in Ohio. He, he'd rather go a thousand miles away to visit a foreign country than go out to our, his own backyard in Ohio to, to visit the people and make and ensure, uh, assure them that everything will be all right eventually. But, it's a travesty. Yes. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. And then there is the, uh, the Edward Penton story which I'm sure we'll find out more information soon. But that was the, the first report of it, and I had saw that, and I was like, oh, my goodness. So what does that mean bad. for those communities that, uh, that were given the, the green light? Was that, yeah, does that mean that, that all of the sacraments they gave out were illicit? Uh, well, it isn't. Mm, so and I could be wrong. I'm not a canon lawyer, so I could be wrong about this. So before people freak out, it's my understanding that as long as they – legitimately believe that they were acting in accordance that they're fine um but now that this has been released now that's the question excuse now they have no excuse so the question is how are the bishops going to respond because now those exemptions like bishop strickland like um maybe i shouldn't call out all the bishops that are doing this (laughs) (laughs) Uh, because i agree with these bishops i think they're doing good things i'm i'm glad they're doing it but now i don't know how they're going to respond because they just basically said you can't make the claim that you made before and just say I'm doing it for the good of souls because I am telling you you're not allowed to do this directly. So I don't know. I guess it would be illicit. I don't I don't actually know. I have no clue. Maybe we should find a canon lawyer and get him on to talk about it. Now just think of the numbers though. I mean uh, these traditional uh, communities are so small in comparison to the, the rest of the Western Catholic rites. And how heavy-handed they're being with the the Traditionis Custodis uh, uh, hammer there is is a little bit. Uh, it's almost like they're going a little bit too far. You know, it seems like there's uh, some sort of ill will there towards the traditional traditionalists. I I can't imagine anything other than that at this point. It d- doesn't make any sense because Pope Francis promoted collegiality during his entire pontificate, and is pushing hard the synod on synodality that we're all walking together and accompanying each other. But instead of decentralizing and, and, and having the bishops have more maneuverability and power in their, in their diocese, it seems as if Pope Francis is centralizing the authority even more in the papacy. And it just goes against, he's saying one thing but does another, as far as the Vatican is doing. And, and Archbishop Roque, who is no friend of of uh, people who love orthodoxy and the traditional Latin mass, it, it seems like he's gone a bit unhinged. He's going out of control and taking, may, might even be taking advantage of the situation and overstepped his boundaries. I don't know. Uh, we should get a canon lawyer because is this usurping the duties and the, and, the, and the authority of the bishops themselves and so the bishops can ignore this? I'm not, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question because, I mean, personally, I'm of the opinion that the Holy Father has the authority to have this wide breadth of power, mm-hmm. but but Pope Francis says otherwise, though. But the the, the post conciliar popes 
say otherwise. They they came out and they promote collegiality. They promote synodality. We've seen synod after synod under the Francis pontificate. And so you would think that that's kind of the emotion you'd go. So I'm all for uh, the Pope laying down the law um, and doing whatever he he wants to do in that regard. But it's contradictory, which is a kind of a point that Father Tolbin, that I read his comments about this earlier, he was saying, he was like, hey, I recognize the Pope has the power to do this, but could we at least be consistent? Is that a direct quote? Hey. Yeah, that's a direct quote. Hey, he's, he's guys. Verba- verbatim, verbatim of what he's he was guys. saying. I believe the Pope can do this sort of thing. Use guises. Uh, use guises. The way the, uh, our, <laughs> our brothers in New Jersey speak. But, no, it, it's very concerning, and I think that we got to keep an eye on the story, and maybe we'll reach out to a can lawyer to analyze the situation. I know I wish I could get this this brother on, but he doesn't speak English, but he published a book on the juridical binding of Traditionus Custodis. Uh, it was translated into English. Maybe I could get the translator on, mm. um, but he, it was. it's very concerning to see, and uh, there's going to be much debate about this. And so here's my plea to you. My plea to you is have a wide breadth of charity to people in this confusing time. There is clear, there's no clear answers to these situations. And because there's no clear answers, I don't think we should be dogmatic about condemning people. If one bishop does, uh, does further restrictions because of this, I think that's wrong, but I understand where he's coming from. He's mm-hmm. getting orders from the Pope to do something. I can understand why he would do it. I, it's, it's a very difficult situation to be in. And then on the other hand, there's maybe another bishop who says, no, I won't ban Latin Mass here. And I would be more favorable to that bishop and more agreeable to that bishop. But I know other people will say, no, that bishop is bad. He shouldn't do that. And I understand why someone would say that. And so I, I get it. It's, it's a very difficult time. It's a very confusing time. And we yeah. should have a wide breadth of charity of people of different opinions. You know, it reminds me, Adrian, of this, uh, this video game I played a long time ago. There was a character. Mario Kart. Who would say, oh. <laughs> everybody thinks they're in the most important time of their, the, the, the universe. Oh, the, the most important time in the world. This is the most important time. You know, you hear that when uh, there's an election coming, right? Well, right now, it seems like we're going through the most tumultuous time in the church. It seems like everything is falling apart around us. But just remember that there's historical uh, examples that we can draw from. I mean, there's historical examples of saints who supported anti-popes. So you do have to have that breadth of charity. We don't know exactly how this is going to play out, but at least, at the very least, you can give people the benefit of the doubt. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, speaking of which, speaking of that situation, I was thinking of, as you were saying, that the Aryan crisis, um, you, you can't go to an Aryan mass. If you're going to a mass where there's a bishop in, or there's a priest in communion with an Aryan bishop, that's illicit. Now, the mass was probably valid, but it's that's illicit. You're not allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. So were all the Catholics, because the majority of Catholics in the world went to Aryan churches because most bishops in the world were Aryans. And so were most Catholics going to hell then? Were they all evil people? I would say no, because they probably didn't know better. They didn't. They had no clue. And so, the, yes, the correct answer was going with Athanasius and those bishops who were in communion with Athanasius. That was very, very, very few. St. Anthony of the Desert was one of the only people in support of Athanasius at the time. And I would say those situations, it's a tough time to be in. And it kind of reminds me of 
uh, Lord of the Rings, whenever Frodo tells uh, Gandalf, he says, I wish it need not have happened in my time. Hmm. We all wish, wish we live in, in peaceful times, right? Amen. And what does Gandalf say? says? He says, so do I. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. Amen. Amen. Gandalf. St. Gandalf. Pray for Saint us. St. Gandalf. St. Gandalf. <laughs> Gandalfo. He's a real, he's a real saint. Yeah. Uh, it's a true. Franciscan. There you go. But I, I, that does bring a great point because right now we look at the crisis in the church. We look at all the evils, all the badness that's happening around us. And what's the answer? The answer isn't to despair. To despair is to lose. You, you've lost. No, the answer instead is to recognize that it is a grace to be born in tumultuous times. Why? Because it gives you a greater opportunity to be a saint. Because the more adversity you overcome, the greater the reward is in heaven. The greater the temptation, the greater the triumph and victory. So if you think about it in terms of a, of a battle, if you're a king and you're going off to battle and you go in and it's uh, 10 men against 1,000 men, those are bad odds. But if you win that battle, whoo-wee, what a beautiful, beautiful reward. If there would be parades, everybody would be championing you. Your, your name will be glorious across the kingdom. The same thing is true for our times. If you are battling one of the worst battles that we've ever seen in the church, where there's faithlessness, there's attacks against the mass, there's attacks against the faith, lack of orthodoxy, all these things happening around us. What rejoicing will there be in heaven? All the angels and saints parading, celebrating every battle that you win. That's an amazing thing to think about. Versus if you go into a battle and you have 10,000 men on your side and you're going against one guy and no one's going to really be like, oh, well, if you lost that battle, it'd be kind of embarrassing to be honest. <laughs> so I think that we should, uh, I think that's something that we should think about. What <clears throat> to go on a jump to a different, completely different topic. You touched on the angels in heaven. So <clears throat> my, I always thought, and, uh, <clears throat> When, the, when we go to heaven, we're going to be so happy. We don't know what, how happy we are. Or we don't know how good it's going to be while we're down here. And while we're up there, we'll be so enchanted with the presence of God. We'll be just chanting holy, holy, holy around him 24-7. What, what are we going to actually do in heaven besides that? I'm, I'm just curious. What are your thoughts on that, Rudy or, or Adrian? I mean, well, clearly, we're going to be uh, seeing what's happening. That's why, as St. Paul says, there's a great cloud of witnesses, right? Yep. So that means they're, they're witnessing. They're seeing what's going on down here. So there's going to be people watching uh, what we're going to do in heaven. Well, before we have a body, there's not really much we can do because we can't eat. We can't sleep. We can't do things. But eventually, we'll get our body back. And when we do, there'll be those kind of things. That's why there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. And so our bodies will be reunited with us. People are shocked by the fact that we're going to have resurrected bodies, even though it's in the creed that we pray every Sunday. I'm surprised <laughs> by how many Catholics are uh, just don't notice that we say that in the creed. You pay attention during the creed? I do my best to. Hmm. I do my best. But it'll be great. So look forward to it. Make sure you make it to heaven. And how do you do that? Go to confession. You pray the rosary every day. 
10 mass on Sundays. It's very simple. Not that hard. But we're going to have our game show. Make sure you call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424 is the number to call to join our game show. That's 877-757-9424. One last time, join our game show, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Holy raffle, Batman! The GRN is raffling off a Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. If we win, that could be our new Batmobile. Great idea, Robin. Uh, how do we get tickets? Easy, Batman. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Tickets are $25 for one or $100 for five. I knew you were good for something. Quick, hand me my bat phone. I promise to love you in good times and in bad, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. On your wedding day, you made this vow to your spouse in the presence of God and all those present. These are not words to be taken lightly. And the reality is that the responsibilities of marriage and family can be challenging at times. Good times can become bad in the blink of an eye. Things like financial hardship and sickness, among others, very often bring about fears and anxieties that make it difficult to be a as loving as we should be. There is a simple Latin phrase to keep on hand when fear and anxiety take over our thoughts. Quid est hoc ad aeternitatum? What is this in the light of eternity? In other words, keep things in proper perspective. While the challenges here on this earth seem like a big deal at the moment, they are but a flash in the pan compared to all of eternity in heaven. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. Check us out on Facebook. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross Studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. is the number to call to be on our game show, Fear and Trembling. And right now I'm looking at the phone lines and we have a complete opportunity for you to join us on the game show. First caller gets to be on the show. The number to call is 877-757-9424. I'm looking at the questions as well. And, dude, these are easy. Nah. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. And we have uh, somebody calling in at the moment. Uh, so we'll be able to take that first caller. So thank you very much to everybody who called in. If you don't get on the show today, we'll make sure you call back tomorrow and because we still have Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday as opportunities for you to be on our game show. And this week, we'll be giving out prizes on Friday as, as our custom. Uh, Tito, what are we giving away this week? We're giving away a, a Catholic Drive Time coffee cup of Divine Providence 
with signatures from Adrian, myself, and a soon-to-be-departing-to-a-different-role, Rudy. So it's going to be a, a collector's item, probably. There you go. There you go. I, I'm curious. Has anybody collected them all? Has anyone got all the coffee cups of all the different signatures? I wonder. Uh, if you have, let me know. Call us. I'd be very curious. Uh, it'd be pretty awesome to see somebody who is able to collect them all. Uh, but joining us right now is Dana. Dana, good morning to you. Dana, is that are you on? Yes. There you go. Uh, Dana, where are you calling from? Um, from Ennis, Texas. Ennis, Texas. That's awesome. Uh, what is Ennis, Texas known for? Uh, our blue bonnets. Blue bonnets. Do you know where blue bonnets yes, come from? Everybody comes. Do you know the uh, origin of blue bonnets? No. Blue bonnets actually have their origin in Venerable Mary of Agreda. She was a Spanish mystic who bilocated from Spain to Texas and everywhere she appeared blue bonnets would bloom and she evangelized the native peoples and when the Franciscan friars showed up they saw these native people doing Marian processions and praying the rosary and the Franciscans were like what how on earth do you can't know this stuff there there's we're the first ones here that's awesome. and they were shocked and that's where blue bonnets come from Oh, that's pretty awesome. I can share that with my friends. There you go. There you go. The more you know. See, it wasn't even a question on the game show, and you're already already learning things. Uh, but, Dana, thank you for calling in today. What are you off to today? Uh, I'm fixing to go into adoration. Oh, praise, praise be to God. God. That's awesome. Wow. What a great thing to do on Shrove Tuesday. Are you going to pray for us? Oh, I will. Thank I, you. This is probably be the first. <laughs> awesome. Praise I, be to I'm God. Really uh, it's been years since I've listened to y'all because I don't get y'all's connection on my on my car stereo, so I'm having to listen to y'all on my phone. Well, perfect. <laughs> That's the way to do it. You gotta get the Guadalupe Radio Network app or follow us on YouTube, or Facebook, or yeah, you know, or Twitter, or all those all the social media feeds, or get our app, Guadalupe Radio Network app. It's a great place to keep in touch with us. But Dana, are you ready to play? Are you familiar with how the game works? Um, I've heard y'all a few times. All right, let me let me just go through the rules real quick. It'll be it's very simple. I have three Catholic trivia questions, but I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to ask Rudy and I'm going to ask Tito these questions, and it's their job to answer them. And it's your job to tell me who is right and who is wrong. So there's a fifty fifty chance. Even if you just guess, there's a fifty fifty chance of you getting the correct answer. And so, does that make sense? Are you ready for the show? Yes. Awesome. Let's do it. Let's start with Rudy, as is our custom. Rudy, the question on the board. Who is the patron saint of postal workers and mail deliveries? I feel like we've had this question before. It sounds familiar. It sounds familiar. It I think we familiar. did this question recently, but and we'll see what Rudy my says. My recent though. answer was it was a modern saint. His name is Kevin Brown. He had this nickname, uh, Agent K. Oh, and he worked at a post office, f predominantly with other aliens, uh, you know, from different from places. From Mexico. Uh, <laughs> some of them. Okay. Yes. But uh, Kevin Brown, St. Kevin Brown. Pray Saint for us. St. Kevin Brown. All right. 
Very interesting answer uh, you got there, Rudy. Well, to know, the question is, what? who is the patron saint of postal workers and mail deliveries? Uh, so, Tito, what say you? Wow. Uh, well, Rudy took my answer, so I'm going to go with my backup. Uh, St. Gabriel the Archangel. St. Gabriel the Archangel. Not St. Kevin Brown the Archangel. No, he. that's one Rudy took. Okay. Okay. All right, Dana. Uh, this is a very difficult question, if you ask me. Uh, this is a... Whew, I, I'm confused already. Uh, but Rudy seems to think that it's St. Kevin Brown, whereas Tito seems to think that it's St. Gabriel the Archangel. I don't know. I don't even know who that is. Uh, Dana, what say you? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Is it Rudy or is it Tito? Rudy. Rudy is correct or wrong? <laughs> correct. Rudy is not correct. Dana, I'm sorry. I led you astray. Oh, no, it Kevin, is Kevin Gabriel. Brown is uh, pl- portrayed as a character from The Men in Black. Oh, and, is that uh, who that was? Yeah. So after he gets his mind wiped, he becomes a postal worker with aliens. Is that where that came from? I was wondering. I was like, aliens. I don't get the reference. Okay, Men in Black reference. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay, sorry, Dana. Don't worry. I'm sure you'll get the next two 100% correct. St. Gabriel, pray for us. Yeah, St. Gabriel, okay. the archangel. Had the most important message to deliver. Yes, and that's how he became the patron saint of postal workers, because he delivered the message. the message of the Annunciation. Amen. All right, don't worry, Dana. We'll get you in. The second question, let's go to Tito. Right. What are the total number of fruits of the Holy Spirit? Fruits of the Holy Spirit. I think uh, I'll go with that ancient lucky number of seven. Seven. Seven seven fruits of the Holy Spirit, just like there are on the fruit of the loom. Okay. So there are equal number of fruits of the Holy Spirit as there are fruits of the loom. Yes, the characters on the Fruit of the Loom uh, trademark. Okay, is that where they get that from? Uh, the Fruits of the Holy Spirit? No. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. wow, interesting. Uh, okay, Rudy, so same question to you. What are the total number of Fruits of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, I can't even name 12 different fruits, but uh, believe it or not, it's 12. It's 12, okay, like, like the 12 so tribes uh, of Israel. Hmm, there's... Uh, Blueberries? Uh, nah, just no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not it. Twelve fruits of the Holy Ghost. Twelve Amen. fruits of the Holy Ghost. Okay, Dana, the uh, question is, what are the total number of fruits of the Holy Spirit? Rudy seems to think there are twelve, like the twelve tribes of Israel, the twelve apostles, whereas Tito seems to think that it's seven, like the uh, fruit of the loom. I, that's very interesting. Uh, Dana, who's right? Who's wrong? What say you, Dana? Is it Rudy? Is it Tito? Is it 12, like the apostles? Or is it 7, like the fruits of the loom? What say you, Dana? I say Tito is correct. Are you, are you sure, sure about that? I think I yes. heard Rudy. I, I think I heard Are Rudy. you sure? Yeah, it was Rudy. Yes. Yes, it's Rudy? Or <laughs> yes, yes, it's, it's Tito? Yep, she got it. It's Rudy. Yes, it's Tootie. Tootie. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's I'm gonna not give it Tito. to her anyway. It's, give it her. it's, it's hers. Uh, Dana, it is twelve. It was Rudy. Yes. Rudy, the answer is twelve. Oh my goodness, Dana, I'm, I'm so sorry. Back, uh, I'm, I'm awful at this. Then I really don't know what I'm doing. Don't worry. Let me dial back don't, my trickiness a little. Don't bit. worry, Dana. Don't worry. Uh, the the last question we're gonna count for for doubles. 
Nice. Uh, so Excellent. you're going to get yeah. this one. I know it. It's going to be very easy. If you get this one right, you're going to get in uh, doubles. Double All right. So does that sound? Does that sound good, Dana? Yes. All right. Let's do it. Uh, Rudy, we'll go back to you. The question is, what is the term used to describe the exceptionally important bulls of papacy? <laughs> Those are called Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls. Chicago Bulls. So the, the Pope uses the Chicago Bulls yes, for important things. Exactly. Okay. There was a very special council in 1623. And he traveled in to Chicago. Chicago. In okay. Chicago. And Chicago, that's, Illinois. That's how they decided to call them Chicago Bulls. Wow. So the yeah. Pope went to Chicago, Illinois in the 1600s. Yeah. Uh, Pope Michael Jordan. Wow. Pope Michael Jordan. Okay. Okay, very interesting. Uh, Tito, same question. What is a term used to describe the exceptionally important bulls of the papacy? Well, if, if they're important, they've got to be given a, a, a golden name. So I, I'm, I'm going to go and say golden bulls. The golden bulls. Golden bulls. Ah, because they're important. They're very important. So you, okay, yes. that makes sense. Because gold is a very valuable metal. Highly valuable okay. metal. Okay, all right. Well, Dana... The question is, who? what is the term used to describe the exceptionally important bulls of the papacy? Is it Chicago Bulls, uh, created by Pope Michael Jordan, as uh, Rudy seems to think? Or is it Golden Bulls, as Tito says? Uh, what say you, Dana? 15 seconds on the clock. Tito is correct. There you go, right. Dana. That's <laughs> nailed it. Doubled or nothing it. You Excellent. got it. You got to uh, double the points. Very good, Dana. Praise be to God. Thank you. Thank you very much for calling in, Dana. Uh, thank you for calling in and make sure you pray for us at Adoration. We'd really appreciate it. I will. Now stay on the line. I'm going to put you on hold and we're going to get your contact information. So if we draw your name on Friday, we will be able to send you the prize. That sound good, Dana? Yes. All righty. God love you. God bless you. And if you're joining us online uh, or on the radio, rather, hop online because we're going to go to the after show where we interact with you directly. So hop on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey. Follow us on our social media feeds and you can continue the show. If not, we'll catch you at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern tomorrow morning across the Guadalupe Radio Network. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you back here tomorrow. joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Good morning and welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. This morning we are celebrating the memorial of St. Peter Damien. 
This morning's Mass is being offered for all of our online viewers and for those joining us on Guadalupe Radio Media. Sing with all the saints in glory, sing the resurrection song. Death and sorrow were dark story, to the former days belong. All around the clouds are breaking, soon the storms of time shall cease. In God's likeness man awakens, knowing everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. Grant we pray, Almighty God, that we may so follow the teaching and example of the Bishop St. Peter Damien, that putting nothing before Christ, and always ardent in the service of your Church, we may be led to the joys of eternal light through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. reading from the book of Sirach. My son, when you come to serve the Lord, stand in justice and fear. Prepare yourself for trials. Be sincere of heart and steadfast. Incline your ear and receive the word of understanding, undisturbed in time of adversity. Wait on God with patience. Cling to him, forsake him not. Thus will you be wise in all your ways. Accept whatever befalls you. When sorrowful, be steadfast and crushing misfortune be patient. For in fire gold and silver are tested, and worthy people in the crucible of humiliation. Trust God, and God will help you. Trust in him, and he will direct your way. Keep his fear, and grow old therein. You who fear the Lord, wait for his mercy. Turn not away, lest you fall. You who fear the Lord, trust him, and your reward will not be lost. You who fear the Lord, hope for good things, for lasting joy and mercy. You who fear the Lord, love him, and your hearts will be enlightened. 
study the generations long past and understand, has anyone hoped in the Lord and been disappointed? Has anyone persevered in his commandments and been forsaken? Has anyone called upon him and been rebuffed? Compassionate and merciful is the Lord. He forgives sins. He saves in time of trouble. He is a protector to all who seek him in truth. The word of the Lord. Commit your life to the Lord, and he will help you. Commit your life to the Lord, and he will love you. Trust in the Lord and do good, that you may dwell in the land and be fed in security. Take delight in the Lord, and he will grant your heart's requests. Commit Commit your your life to the Lord, and he will help you. The Lord watches over the lives of the wholehearted. Their inheritance lasts forever. They are not put to shame in an evil time. In days of famine they have plenty. Commit your life to the Lord, and he will help you. Turn from evil and do good, that you may abide forever. For the Lord loves what is right, and forsakes not his faithful ones. Commit your life to the Lord, and he will help you. The salvation of the just is from the Lord. He is their refuge in time of distress, and the Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them, because they take refuge in him. Commit your life to the Lord, and he will help you. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus and his disciples left from there and began a journey through Galilee. But he did not wish anyone to know about it. He was teaching his disciples and telling them, The Son of Man is to be handed over to men, and they will kill him. And three days after his death, the Son of Man will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to question him. They came to Capernaum, and once inside the house, he began to ask them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they remained silent, for they had been discussing amongst themselves on the way who was the greatest. Then he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone wishes to be first, he shall be the last of all and the servant of all. Taking a child, he placed it in their midst, And putting his arms around it, he said to them, Whoever receives one child such as this in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me but the one who sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. This morning's Liturgy of the Word, we can see quite literally how the economy of God is completely flipped from what the economy of the world is. Today's reading, starting from the book of Sirach, which is amongst the literature found in the 
sacred scripture and in the Old Testament really extols us to be people who are willing to embrace suffering, who are willing to embrace the rough road, knowing that it's precisely in such conditions that gold is made or that silver is refined. As we hear Sirach tell us, accept whatever befalls you, when sorrowful be steadfast, and in crushing misfortune be patient, for in fire gold and silver are tested and worthy people in the crucible of humiliation. Trust God, and God will help you. Trust in him, and he will direct your way. Keep his fear and grow old therein. When we think of those elements of suffering or even the word humiliation, those typically aren't words that we are quick to embrace or to say that we would like those for ourselves or for those who love us. But precisely in such conditions, can discipleship be forged in a way like no other? In today's gospel, we hear similar kind of turning on its head the values of the world to our values when Jesus tells us, if you want to be first, be ready to be last. And again, his praise of children. Children have that remarkable quality of not having any pretension within them. They kind of move in complete freedom of who they are as children in total trust and confidence in the presence of their parents. Whereas as the years pile on, we start to kind of crumble oftentimes beneath the burden of people's expectation of what we should be, or perhaps our own expectation of what we should be in the light of the culture in which we live in. And we find ourselves sometimes valuing ourselves according to how the world sees us or according to how other people see us. Jesus' message is for us to be who we are meant to be, and that means as living as children of God and living in the freedom of the children of God to not have pretension but to really move and say, what is most precious about me is not my talent, my skills, and my gifts, but rather the fact that I am God's beloved daughter or God's beloved son. The climax of this turning of the economy of power on its head, of course, is going to be found in Jesus' crucifixion, which in today's gospel, Jesus foretells to his disciples that the Son of Man will suffer greatly, be handed over to the powers of men, and ultimately to be crucified and rise on the third day. Here we see the ultimate distinction of God's ways from human ways, when the Father's only begotten Son is sent to the world in order to be crucified to save us from our sins. And the greatness of his power is not found through might and domination, but rather is found in a self-emptying love, which is willing to give himself so completely that he dies on a cross in order to save us from our sins. My brothers and sisters, as we are approaching the Lenten season, which of course will begin tomorrow, let us ask God for the grace that, in particular, during this holy season, that we, too, would be disciples of Christ who would be willing to embrace the cross, would be willing to embrace the hardships and even the humiliations of this life, that we would be willing to take all these burdens upon ourselves willingly, knowing that precisely in such conditions we can be conformed in an even greater way to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and knowing that true freedom is ultimately found in conforming our lives to Jesus, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen.
We have all gathered here, dear brothers and sisters, to celebrate the mysteries of our redemption. Let us therefore ask, Almighty God, that the whole world may be watered from these springs of all blessing and life. For all who have vowed themselves to God, that with his help they may faithfully keep to their resolve, let us pray to the Lord. For peace among nations, that delivered from all turmoil, the peoples may serve God in freedom of heart, let us pray to the Lord. For the elderly who suffer from isolation or sickness, that they may be strengthened by our love of them as brothers and sisters, let us pray to the Lord. For ourselves gathered here, for all those joining us online and through radio, that as God does not cease to sustain us with the things of this life, we may know how to use them in such a way that we may hold even now to the things that endure forever. Let us pray to the Lord. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. May your mercy, we beseech you, O Lord, be with your people who cry to you, so that what they seek at your prompting they may obtain by your ready generosity, through Christ our Lord. How good the name of Jesus sounds to all believing ears. It soothes our sorrows, heals our wounds, and drives away our fears. It makes the wounded spirit whole and calms the troubled mind. He is manna for each hungry soul, the lost and weary find. Blessed name the rock on which we build our shield and resting place. Our never-failing comfort filled with blessings of his grace. O Jesus, shepherd, guardian, friend, our prophet, priest, and king, our Lord, our life, our way, our end, accept the praise we bring. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the sacrifice which we gladly present on the feast day of blessed Peter Damien be pleasing to you, O God. For taught by him, we too give ourselves entirely to you in praise. Through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your heart. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, 
through Christ our Lord. For as on the festival of St. Peter Damien, you bid your church rejoice, so too you strengthen her by the example of his holy life. Teach her by his words of preaching, and keep her safe in answer to his prayers. And so with the company of angels and saints, we sing the hymn of your praise, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, Pleni sunt celi et terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, save us, Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection you have set us free. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to a second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with this Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. Peter Damian and with all the saints, on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help.
May the sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory. Through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Preceptis salutaribus moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, quies in celis, sanctifice tuur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, Sicut in celo et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra. Sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem. Sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. And graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei Qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed.
For those who are unable to receive our Lord sacramentally in Holy Communion, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Jesus, my God, my God, my all, how can I love thee as I ought? And how revere this wondrous gift, so far surpassing hope or thought? Sweet sacrament, we thee adore. O make us love thee more and more. O make us love thee more and more. Had I but Mary's sick endless heart, with which to love thee, dearest King. Oh, with what bursts of fervent praise, thy goodness, Jesus, would I sing. Sweet sacrament we thee adore, O make us love thee more and more, O make us love thee more and more. Let us pray. Through Christ the Teacher, O Lord, instruct those you feed with Christ the living bread, that on the feast day of blessed Peter Damian, they may learn your truth and express it in works of charity through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Hail, Holy Queen enthroned above, O Maria. Hail, Mother of mercy and of love, O Maria. Triumph, all ye cherubim, sing with us, ye. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan 
and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Leon Fontana from St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. You're listening